Morning, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I think we've all wondered at some point, why do bad things happen to good people? And actually, we've already talked about that in this series a little bit. But I was listening to a podcast while I was prepping for this message, and uh, the host said something that I'd never heard said before, which was, uh, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, that sucks. But have you ever considered why good things happen to bad people? That makes me way more angry, which I thought was interesting. But we are talking about anger today, and we've all felt angry, whether it's at good things happening to bad people or bad things happening to good people, at other drivers when it's raining, at a child who just won't behave, whether they're yours or just that one at the supermarket, you know the one, at a partner, a sibling, a friend. If we're made in God's image, how does that fit? Is God angry? Is he angry at you? How angry is he? Should he be more angry at me? No. At my enemy? Maybe. We've been making our way, phrase by phrase, through a passage in this series, Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7. Slowly enough to be painful for some of you, and still too quick for others. And so far we've covered Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God. And today we're going to follow on with slow to anger. So in the original language, this phrase that we translate to slow to anger links to a few other places, uh, is particularly in Proverbs, which might help us understand it a bit further. In Proverbs 14, we find this, whoever is patient has great understanding, but the one who is quick-tempered displays folly. It's the same original phrase from slow to anger as patient in that place in Proverbs. And in this case, the comparison is, uh, is between opposites, right? So we have patient, slow to anger, and quick-tempered. Then in Proverbs 16, we find a comparison, uh, a similarity comparison. Better a patient person, better a slow to anger person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. So we get this other word that can help us to understand a little bit more what we're talking about here. Slow to anger, patient, but additionally, someone with self-control, choosing to be slow to anger. And so what does this mean about God? Well, the short version is you can make God mad, but you have to really work at it. And there, there are hundreds of mentions of God's anger in the Bible. Here's just one more. You hate all who do wrong. You detest those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful you detest. Found in Psalm 5. God detests? That doesn't sound right. But then again, let's look at the sort of behavior that maybe God detests. Terrorists? Con men ripping off grandmas, corrupt politicians in PNG, the abusive father who you hear screaming next door, a date rapist who gets off the charge. How do you feel when you think about slavery, child prostitution, oil spills, greedy CEOs and politicians, rapists, murderers, or genocide? Don't you just think this isn't how it's supposed to be? And no. It isn't. It's not how it's supposed to be. 
You know, we've had this uh, this great book by Pastor John Mark Comer that's been uh, kind of guiding us through this series. And he has a bit of a definition for God's anger in there, which he states as being his steady, unrelenting, unremitting, uncompromising antagonism to evil in all its forms and manifestations. And something about that seems right, that God hates evil. And so here's the thing. You might not like vibe with the thought that God can be angry, but his anger is just and his mercy is possible because he chooses for his anger to be slow. Our anger, especially our fast anger, which is most of our anger, is largely selfish. It comes from hurt or feeling backed into a corner or frustration from someone else. That is an anger that comes from love. Our anger is usually unjust. It's unbalanced. We know this from the media, right? We cheer on the hero that kills like a thousand guys to get his daughter back. I will find you. And we're like, heck yeah. But that's not justice. That's revenge. And God does not seek revenge. So where does anger fit into our picture of God? An image that has stuck with me and helped me to picture who God is and why he feels how he does is one of a multifaceted gem. God has many faces, many aspects to his character, just as we do. And we view them around each other, through each other, glittering off each other. They're not all equal, but they're all there and they're all part of the beauty of that gem. They're all part of the beauty of God. And here's the thing. Here's the good news. God's anger is not his main thing. He keeps it under control and a far larger portion of our experience of him is that of the compassionate and gracious God. But there is slow to anger just on the other side of the gem. I mean, I don't think we like that at first glance. The sort of vibe I get in our culture is that an angry God is a bit ugly, lacking understanding, intolerant even. But for the scripture writers, in a culture, as we've discussed previously, chock full of lowercase g gods and goddesses that are mean-spirited and angry, their problem, the writer's problem with the capital G God's anger, was that it was too slow. They found his mercy hard to swallow as they looked out over society and saw the evil of the day. But in our society, we feel the need to apologize or gloss over his judgment. But his mercy is abundant because his judgment is righteous. They go hand in hand, both for the evil out there and the evil in here. We don't get to pick and choose and create God to be who we want him to be. After all, he is who he is. Our only choice is to follow him or not. I think that for a lot of people, love and tolerance are equal or should be. You know, you do you, who am I to judge, live and let live. Really? What about a truck driver on drugs who hits and kills police officers on the side of a freeway. 
What about the CEO who buys a pharmaceutical company and raises the price of a specialty drug times 55? Now, I'm not as dumb as I look without my glasses, but this, you know, this is a bit of a straw man argument. I don't think that anyone's actually suggesting we should let these people just be them. But as a thought experiment, it does show that there is a limit somewhere, right? Love leads to anger. We should be angry about the things we care deeply about. We should be angry about injustice. Angry when a child is mistreated by an adult or a friend. Angry when a family member is wronged. God's anger is patient, is just, is unselfish, and comes because of his great love for us, not in opposition to it. Let's lighten it up for a second. This brings me to a funny thought that floats around social media. If anyone ever asks, what would Jesus do? Remind them that flipping over tables and chasing people with a whip is within the realm of possibilities. So relatable, right? <laughs> this situation that this is referring to is, is recorded in all four Gospels. Let's summarize what we're talking about in this story where Jesus suddenly takes to a bunch of people flipping tables and holding a whip. So what happens in these ancient times, this is before Jesus has sacrificed himself for us, is that for people to be right with God, they bring sacrifices to the temple. They bring sacrifices to the priests so that they can get right with God. Somebody from a few days away from the temple, maybe they would bring a lamb. And because of the teachings in the Old Testament, they would bring the best lamb they possibly could in aim of a perfect lamb who would atone for all of their sins, but of course, impossible. So bring the best lamb they could possibly could. They might walk for a few days bringing this lamb to sacrifice at the temple to get right with God. And when they get there, there's a priest standing at the door and you get there and you say, here's my lamb. I brought my prize lamb, the best lamb that I had. And the priest goes, well, this is a pretty nice lamb, I guess, if you wanna be okay with God. But if you really want to get right with God, you probably need a better one. And, as luck would have it, I just so happen to be a purveyor of fine lambs. And he sells you a better lamb to sacrifice. What about you come from a bit further away? You don't actually want to bring livestock with you. So you bring some cash. You get to the temple. Oh, sorry, wrong currency. We only accept the temple currency at the temple. Now, luckily, I will do a favor for you. I'm happy to change that currency for you just for a slightly extortionate exchange rate. How should Jesus feel when he gets to God's house and sees this behavior happening in the forecourt at the front of the temple? And just to be clear, this is not like a, a market, like a once a year special market. This is like the market that's out the front all the time as people bring their sacrifices. So is this an example of fast anger on Jesus's behalf? Does this justify us whipping up into a rage? Does this undermine everything I've been saying so far? No, we know that Jesus has been witnessing this behavior out the front of the temple for years. This is near the end of his ministry. He has been going to the temple to teach, calling people to repentance, calling those people in the forecourt to change their ways, and they haven't. And so right at the end of the ministry, he gives us a taste 
of when God says enough is enough. You know, I think we think of love and anger as incompatible when we think of God. But of course, we know that they're compatible. Who has a naughty dog like I do? I don't know about you, but I can swing between anger at her disobedience and absolute love for her pretty quickly. And if you ask me if I loved my dog or if I was angry with my dog, I love my dog. So let's go a little deeper than pets. We can be angry with friends who we love deeply. We can be angry that they make poor decisions and seek to love them still as they live out the consequences of those decisions. We can be angry at how they treat us and still love them. And this is true for pets, partners, children, colleagues, families, and so on. So have we gotten it wrong when we say God is love? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. God is love. God is not anger. God is love. And because he is love, his response to evil in this world is anger. God's not your fun uncle who lets you do whatever you want. He's a loving, perfect dad, much better than yours or mine, regardless of how you feel about your dad. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. And my prayer is that you've been challenged by this brief discussion of God's anger. Challenged to figure out where God's anger fits into your picture of him. Because it's in the Bible too much for us to just ignore. But that isn't enough. Following God means challenging yourself about how you live your life. God is slow to anger. Are you? I have to admit, I'm not always slow to anger. I am the father of an 18 month old. And uh, as many of you will know, I'm not a massive fan of babies. And so as much as I'm trying to be a good, good father, it's who I am. Unfortunately, I'm not actually. You know, in those early tough nights with a newborn, I found my frustration turning into anger pretty quick. Now, obviously I wanna be clear, I never took this out on my child, but I felt the anger welling up in me. And with that, I very quickly started to learn that Nesta's being upset was often just a mirror of my own emotions. And I was challenged to learn to become slow to anger, slow to frustration in those moments. And as Nesta reflected my own uh, frustration back to me, I started to notice that in other areas of my life as well. Now, don't get caught up in the parent aspect of this. I just happen to have a tiny human barometer reflecting my mood in my house at the moment. This is about all of our humanity. For kids, teens, those who are happily single or unhappily single, happily married or unhappily married. It's about you and I trying to make our anger look more like God's. Have you ever thought about that? In James 1, there's a verse that says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Here's a radical thought about making our anger look more like God's anger. What if you're not angry enough? 
Obviously not the anger that the Bible advises us to purge from our lives repeatedly. Patiently angry, not hot burning anger. Angry with evil, not your little sister. Angry out of deep love, not shallow frustration. Angry because of compassion, not because of competition. The sort of anger that is rooted in a hunger for justice, not for yourself, but for the oppressed. So here's our weird prayer to wrap up today. Honestly, a prayer that I've never prayed until I spent some more time reflecting on this aspect of God while prepping for this message. Will you pray with me? Yahweh, help make my anger more like yours as you make my love more like yours. Amen.